situation. He took a pinch in the back. He got beamed for crying out loud. Who used heart attack? Me. Managers on a major league baseball team don't make decisions. Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over with Jeremy's Bob Pearl Harbor? The castration of the major league baseball managers. We know it. Ask me about my win. What's going on, everybody? Another edition of the Past Ball Show. Before I jump into a couple topics I want to get into today, and as always, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I was reading Draymond Green's comments in regards to his feeling that he should win the Defensive Player of the Year in the NBA in spite of, what, not playing for more than half the season. I'll make two points about that. Number one, if he plays the remaining 13 games, I think he should get consideration but probably not win it. Um, If he doesn't play the last 13 games, he should be disqualified from the award. Listen, we could talk about Draymond Green being the best defensive player of this generation in the NBA, and I wouldn't disagree with you. You could talk about Draymond Green, if he was fully healthy, being the best defensive player in the NBA right now. And I wouldn't disagree with you. But it kind of reminds me of those uh, shills for Mike Trout that think that he should win the MVP award every year. Mike Trout missed well over 100 games this past season in 2021. And there's still going to be those Mike Trout you know, stat geeks that think he should win the MVP every year that he plays. And not, not to make this too cliche but there's no better ability than availability. And it sucks being hurt. It sucks being sick. It sucks being out. But sometimes that should preclude you from winning certain awards against players that have played the entire season. And listen, Draymond could talk all day about how he feels like he's better than any defensive player in the NBA, even though he's not playing. Well, listen, I love the confidence. But at the same time, he he shouldn't win an award that he missed more than half the season for. So I touched on this on my ColorCast program. The salary cap as it exists in the world of football is really becoming a detriment. And I think both the players and the owners are, are, should start to notice the issue that's existing with the salary cap. Because the salary cap is basically, basically forcing your star player to choose between one of two things. You can't have it both ways. You can't have your cake and eat it too in this regard. You can't want to win a championship, and you can't want to be the highest paid at your respective position. And think about it. Pro pro athletes, and I'm not just talking about football players. They can be basketball players, baseball players, soccer players, whatever. You know, when when you're in a peer amongst yourselves, you you get very territorial and comparative with each other and each other's skills. And you certainly want to get the most recognition you can amongst your peers. And I talk about Aaron Rodgers for a second. Aaron Rodgers won the MVP the last two years. You can tell he's a, a little ticked off, but he, wa- he wants to return to Green Bay. His issue or perceived issue was the fact that the Packers used the number one draft pick on who they viewed as Aaron Rodgers' replacement in Jordan Love. They didn't put the right pieces around him to help him win a championship. Well, The best way to put the pieces around Aaron Rodgers to win a championship is for Aaron Rodgers to not be 
the top paid quarterback in the National Football League. In other words, not be the highest paid player, not set salary records in regards to what he is going to make against the cap and keep that from the rest of the players that you're trying to build around him. You can't have the top quarterback in the NFL in regards to highest paid and you can't have the top wide receiver in regards to highest paid and still fill feel the team of 51 other players that are going to help you win an NFL championship. Now listen, you could dodge it. You could do certain things. You could find players to take pay cuts. You could cut players that you know haven't been worth their contracts. But you can't fill half of your roster with players making along the lower tier in regards to salary. Unless you have a series of rookies and second and third year players. They're all playing at the top of their game and they haven't earned their money yet. And you think of the Legion of Boom defense, which, believe it or not, was almost almost 10 years ago already. But the fact that they were able to build a defense with such really solid players, all around the same age, not making a lot of money, and a quarterback that was in the same situation, really makes you think about the Seattle Seahawks and wonder why maybe they didn't win more than they did. Yes, they lost that tough Super Bowl to the New England Patriots when Malcolm Butler stepped in front of a Russell Wilson pass when everybody believed that they should have handed the ball off to Marshawn Lynch. And and then the Seattle Seahawks would have done something that nine other I'm sorry, eight other teams have done in the history of the NFL. Win two Super Bowls in a row. Maybe they're perceived differently. But I look back at that team, and, and I just believe that they should have won a little bit more. But back to the salary cap. The salary cap is not helping anybody. The owners, in the end, are the ones that are giving the players the top dollar. And the raises that keep going up, uh, one player is topping the next player. But if you're looking at the ratio of the salary cap moving up at all, it's not moving at the rate as the top players are getting paid. So top defensive linemen are, are getting paid a lot more than they were before. Uh, obviously, your top cornerback. You saw what J.C. Jackson got with the, the Los Angeles Chargers. The top at each position are getting compensated more than they ever have before. And because of that, the salary cap is not moving in the appropriate direction. And I think that's a problem. I think you're finding you're going to find it harder and harder for teams to be able to make those last couple moves and steps if they want to win themselves a Super Bowl. And it speaks to the same thing that we've seen for a long time in the NFL and probably the reason that there's going to be more people watching the NFL than there is any other sport. There's going to be parity. There's no way to complete that absolute great team. Now listen. The Aaron Rodgers of the world are going to have to go out there and win the Super Bowl themselves. He hasn't done that yet. Obviously, he did it, what, 12 years ago, 13 years ago? It's quite a while ago. And for to win two MVPs, which he certainly deserved, and he, he deserves all the credit in the world and the accolades and the money and the stuff that comes with it. But it's impossible now to be able to do two things, to be able to be the highest paid player or series of highest paid players at your position in a respective league that you're part of and also win a Super Bowl 
or have the best team because of the salary cap situation. So the next thing I wanted to jump into today, and as always, I want to thank everybody for, for tuning in. Of course, you know, if you think about it from, you know, the salary cap in the NFL, and I, I listen, I, I, th- I think it's something that should probably go away as opposed to being raised. I think some people say, hey, just, just raise it. You know, obviously it's something collectively bargained. And if you see what's happened in baseball, you know that it's, it's a little bit of an issue doing that. But you know, if you follow what's what's happened in baseball and their recent CBA, uh, you can make a case that tanking ended up winning overall. Now, the best way to get the players back on the field and the owners and the players in agreement and having baseball right now, which should make you know, hopefully 100% of baseball fans happy that this, the sport's back you know, where it should be right now, meant a lot of the same status quo. Um, for issues, whether they were anything that was collective bargaining, there was such huge divides between what the players wanted and what the owners wanted. And because of that, you, you pretty much had to settle for something similar to what was collectively bargained last time. And that certainly doesn't bode well for teams that, that want competitive balance, fans that want competitive balance, fans of teams that don't want their favorite teams to quit for a series of three to five years. That's not going to change anytime soon. And that's got to be frustrating. And it's probably one of the things that I think the players wanted to see out of this. You could, like I said, you could tell the owners don't care. They don't. A lot, a lot of them are in it. They're businessmen. They're self-made billionaires. They, they've been successful for reasons that have nothing to do with baseball. And their little hobby that they have in regards to running a baseball team isn't going to get in the way of their major fortune. They don't. They don't want to. They don't want to have anything that happens with their baseball team. God forbid, a couple million dollars get lost in a season. What well, you know? When you're talking about billionaires once again, but you don't want that to get in the way of the self-made success or maybe not self-made success that you had in whatever other businesses gave you the opportunity to be an owner of a Major League Baseball team. So tanking, I, I would expect to see it a lot more. You know, the Orioles and the Pirates, they might not get better for another 10 years. Though I do believe in Ben Sherrington. I think he's a very good executive. I think he's a smart baseball man. He knows how to scout. I think he's going to bring talent into the Pirates. The Pirates might be better sooner than the Orioles. The Orioles, I don't know what the hell they're doing. I think Mike Elias is a guy that came over from the Houston Astros with this belief that, hey, everything the Houston Astros were able to do, I'm going to be able to do. How many years have gone by and what does he have to show for it? I think you're very naive to believe that this person was really that integral of a force in what happened with the Houston Astros and their success. Hey, he was there. He gets credit for being part of building that really good core and team that obviously won the World Series in 2017. He has not done anything with the reins that he's been given with the Baltimore Orioles. In fact, he's a liability over there. If he isn't on the hot seat when it comes to being able to hold on to his position going forward, then I'm starting to think about the need to maybe consider contracting the Baltimore Orioles 
because of their lack of interest in playing competitive baseball. And the same applies for teams like the Miami Marlins and the Oakland Athletics. The Marlins, you know, may, you know, aren't, aren't going to add very much payroll. They have a really good core of young players, and I, I don't know if they're going to bottom themselves out. I don't know if they're going to get to a point where their young players are going to want to earn more than what that organization's willing to pay. Look at what's happening in Oakland. Chris Bassett, Matt Olson. Who's going to be next? Is it going to be Mac Chapman? Is it going to be Frankie Montas? Is it going to be Sean Manaya? You know, how many players are they going to move from that core because they simply don't want to pay them? That's a problem. And Major League Baseball had an opportunity with the CBA to address the tanking issue, and they didn't do it. They settled for status quo because they just wanted to get baseball back again. And that's frustrating. Last thing I wanted to talk about. <coughs> New York City. As it's set up right now, you think of the ordinance, ordinances and the restrictions that they're set, you know, mandating that all government employees be vaccinated. <coughs> you know, as I'm coughing here, you know, obviously not very good optics for, for what I'm about to say. But when it comes to the, uh, the vaccination status of athletes, I mean, you can't have something in place that only impacts the players that play for New York City teams. If you want to be strong enough and be real serious about your stance on the vaccine status, you have to include players that are playing from other teams. you got to make it to a point where basketball players, not just Kyrie Irving, basketball players from other teams that play a game in New York City cannot play if they're not vaccinated. You know, and we're going to call this now the Aaron Judge rules that applies to baseball because it looks like, you know, Aaron Judge is one of the more high-profile players in baseball that aren't vaccinated. There's probably others. And, you know, I could think of a, a couple possibilities that I, I don't think are confirmed. And, you know, in regards to to my, my opinion on, on vaccination status, I don't really give a shit. I don't care. You want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you, if you don't, you don't. Um, you know, it doesn't matter whether, whether I am or, or not, you know, I, 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 I feel you have the right to, to decide whatever it is that you want to do. But if there is a law set and you aren't, well, you know, you're going to be precluded for performing whatever job it is that you, that you have. And it's cost Kyrie Irving, the majority of this season in a national basketball association and likely will cause any player that's not vaccinated in New York City for a, the Mets or the Yankees to be able to play in home games in 2022. Now, it should also apply to, to opposing players. Somebody on the Oakland Athletics that isn't vaccinated shouldn't be able to play a game in Yankee Stadium. Now, like I said, if you want to be consistent, transparent, and continuous in regards to your, your consistency, then you should... Make that happen with everybody else. And the problem is, is New York City can't get enough of New York City. And the only people that love talking about New York City and how great it is, is New York City and how great they think they are. There's no other place in the region. There's no other place in this country. There's no other place in this world where everybody thinks they're so superior to everybody else. New York City 
you know, was, was the one that said, hey, nobody should be allowed to smoke in our city because we said so. We're New York City. Yeah, there, there's no more pompousness and arrogance coming from the very top of this respective city. And, and honestly, I'm just so tired of hearing it. You know, you, you think it's a coincidence that there's no other city in this country that is patting themselves in a the chest, talking about how great they are, demanding that there's some sort of rules to be set in regards to vaccination. It's New York City saying, hey, I'm friggin' New York City. Look at me. And it gets to a point where it gets old. It gets tiring. It just gets to be a long and long and long repetitive song. How many times are we going to hear this over and over and over again? New York City loves New York City. We get it. Nobody loves hearing their own voice more than the person that's speaking. And I get it. New York City loves itself. Nobody else loves New York City. And you know what? Maybe you realize that you're so pompous and you're so arrogant and you so think that your shit don't stink. Maybe that's part of the reason why a good amount of the rest of the country hates you. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. We'll be back with you probably Saturday for another edition of the PBS. God bless you. And as always, we'll see you. I will see you on the other side. Chris Bryant was on the Chicago Cubs roster opening day. I have many leather-bound books. My apartment smells of rich mahogany. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the friggin' World Series? I was going to listen to that, but then I just carried on living my life. Now they come out as the biggest... Major League Baseball manager apologist. It'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying, I'm either going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park. I ain't supposed to be here today. Especially prospect whores and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this. I'm a there are only two managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have losing records. One of them is the iconic Connie Mack, who you could say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer. And what side of the spectrum they're on? Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and a ball got inside to hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if you were a fan of the team that was batting and a ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind somebody's head, absolutely 100%, unequivocally, that pitcher was throwing at They put their tail between their legs and decided they're going to do exactly what they're told. Thirty-five years ago, I could have loaned your parents the money for an abortion.